Well, good morning again. Welcome. I want to take you through God's word and bring to you a message from the scriptures of hope and of joy and something that I hope will change your life. Today is Easter. Easter is the day where the symbol of shame became a symbol of hope. Today is Easter. Today is the day a symbol of shame, the cross, became a symbol of hope. And as I get into this, I want you to just think about a few things that God has made available to us through his mercy. The Bible says God's mercy has been lavishly provided to us. And through his mercy, we have, and I want to uh, list six blessings, benefits, things you get from God, the way God blesses you, six ways. Are there more? Yes, absolutely. But there are six this morning that we're going to think about this Easter. All right. Remember, today is Easter. It is the day Jesus rose again, and that's got to make a difference. God's mercy plus Christ's resurrection grants you pure joy. Pure joy because you are born again, in being born again. Now, I know that's new uh, terminology, terminology for some of you. I know that's, uh, that's perhaps new language for some people. But this word is dear to my heart. It's dear to the heart of every follower of Christ because we know the benefits that come from being born again. Being born again to a new hope, to a new life, to a new future. Being born again in the spirit, being born again into a relationship with God. Jesus brings that. And these two things bring it together. God's mercy, say it with me, and Christ's resurrection. These two bring it together. God's mercy and Christ's resurrection. Let's dive in. It's a passage of scripture that's very dear to my heart. And I want to share it with you this morning. 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 3 through 9. 1 Peter chapter 1. It says this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. There you have it, mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So it starts with God's mercy and it, is, it happens, it's perfected in the resurrection of Christ. The first and foremost thing that God gives to you is a living hope. My hope is alive. My hope is alive. I'll tell you why my hope is alive. It is because when I place my trust in somebody, I hope in that person. If that person dies, then my hope dies with that person. But if that person rises again and lives to never die again, then my hope will never die again. Christ, by his resurrection, gives me a hope that will never die again. My hope is alive. He says, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. See, that is not something that you decide and I decide. God makes it happen. God decides it. Just like you were not part of, your, of the decision of your birth. You were brought into the world. You were brought into your family, not by your choice. But you choose to live your life by your choice. You choose how to live your life by your choice. But your birth was your mom and dad's choice. Their love. God loves you. And God desires for you to be in his family. And for that, you need to be born into his family. And that is what we call being born again. My hope is alive. The second benefit that God's mercy grants me is that my future is ensured. My future is ensured because I've trusted someone who is alive. I've trusted someone who is alive. See, this is what verse 4 says. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. 
Let's go back to the previous verse. He says, he has caused us to be born again, firstly to a living hope, through the resurrection of Christ from the dead. And he has caused us to be born again to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading. My future is heaven. All that Christ is storing up for me is in heaven. And look at what he says. He says, my inheritance is three things. It is imperishable because if it's on earth, it's going to perish. It's undefiled. It cannot be touched. It cannot be contaminated. It cannot grow old and it is unfading. It doesn't doesn't wear away. It doesn't grow old. And the Bible says it is being kept in heaven for you. Your future is secure because God secures it. The mercy of God and the resurrection of Christ ensures and guarantees your future for those who are born again. Those who are born according to God's will. When God causes you to be born again, he does this in your life and mine. My future is ensured. He says this at the end. He says, kept in heaven for you. You see that? Kept in heaven for you. And then he goes on to say, the writer goes on to say, you who by God's power are being guarded. I like that word. Are being guarded. Not, that's not just insurance. That's security. Aren't you looking for security in life? Isn't everybody just a little bit insecure every time something changes? Any kind of change around us, any kind of displacement around us makes us insecure. Any new relationships makes us insecure. We, God knows that we need protection and we need to be guarded. We don't just need insurance, but we need security. We need strength. So he says, you, he says, kept in heaven for you, you who by God's power are being guarded through faith guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. I know this is a little complicated. Let me break it down for you. You are the one who God is guarding. He's guarding you by his power. And because he's guarding you by his power, your faith enables you to stay focused on the last day when God's going to get you out of here. You have this day, you have this time in your future because you're headed for a, for a sure future, a sure eternity. You have this joy in your heart that as you think about that future, your guarding, your guiding, your, your security for today is rock solid. So the first thing God grants you by his mercy is that my hope is alive. The second thing God grants you by his mercy is that my future is insured. The third thing God grants me by his, by his mercy is that my life is guarded. My life is guarded. First you have hope, then you have insurance, and then you have security. You who by God's power. You who by God's power. Have you ever thought about that? Have you, have you ever thought about the fact that God is completely dedicated to securing you, to making you safe? He's a father. He's not a king on the throne just dictating. He's not a tyrant. He's not a, a CEO that was just running everything and wants the best out of you. Christ is on the throne, but he administers the love of a father because he wants you to feel guarded. Who by God's power are being guarded through faith. Remember, faith is your, is your currency. Faith is what gets you the mercy of God. It's what buys you the mercy of God. Faith is what God responds to when you turn to him, when you ask him, when you humble yourself. 
My hope is alive. My future is ensured. My life is guarded. It gets better than that. My problems aren't permanent. My problems aren't permanent. Go back to verse 5. He says, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation, for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Okay, so Christ saves us from our sin, but he's also going to save us out of this entire situation, our circumstances, this life as we know it. This is not all there is. God has a hope and an eternity for us. He is preparing a place for us. We have eternity to look forward to so that our perspective on this life and these problems and these circumstances are temporary and we recognize that my problems aren't permanent. I'm going through this for now. There's going to be a purpose for which I'm going through it and I'm going to keep my eyes on the goal. It says in this salvation you rejoice. Look at that. In this salvation you rejoice. Though now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Have you been grieved by various trials? Some of you have been through tremendous pain. Some of you have been through tremendous anxiety. Some of you have seen incredible loss. And you stop to ask, if this is life, if this is the best that God has to offer me, then God can't possibly have loved me. God can't possibly be a good God. How can he allow what's happening in the world today and still be a good God? My problems aren't permanent. And because my problems aren't permanent, I can keep my eyes on the exit. You're on a highway and you can keep your eyes on the exit because you know sometime or the other, you're going to turn. You're going to turn off. Turn off onto God's goodness. Turn off into eternity. Your eyes are on the exit. Read that again with me one more time. In this salvation, you rejoice. This saving, this exit, you rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. My problems aren't permanent. Let me give you a fifth thing you get, a fifth blessing you get from the mercy of God that's given to you, that's granted to you. My faith is genuine. You see, when you're going through this, this, this life, and your eyes are on the exit because you know you have a hope and a future. You know that this is not all there is. Your faith is tested through those trials. That becomes the purpose of the trials, the difficult times. Those, those, those tough times you go through, those painful times, the sicknesses you go through, those rejections and abandonment you go through, everything that life throws at you that hurts, that, 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 that stings, is for your good, for your faith. Look at what he says in verse 7. So that, that's the purpose clause. See, God always provides a so that. Because he, he says, he promises, he says, I will not let anything go to waste. No matter how much pain you've seen in your life. No matter who said what to you. I will not let anything go to waste. I will turn it around for you. If it's a curse, I'll make it a blessing. If it's a shame, I'll make it something to be honored. When God can take a symbol of shame and make it a symbol of honor, make it a blessing, a symbol of hope, then God can take anything in your life. Starting today, he can turn it around because you are guarded with power, the power of God. So not only are my problems not permanent, but you know what? Everything I go through, God makes me genuine in my faith. I become real.
I become real. See, some people go through life and the more they go through life and the more blessings or the, or the good things that come their way, they become more fake. Money makes them more fake. You know, the kind of friends they choose make them more fake. Now they are acting, now they're covering up, now they're pretending. Everything becomes a pretense and now everything they do and learn in life is to maintain that pretense. God wants you, as you go through life, to become even more and more genuine. You ask the question, how can anything become more genuine if it's not already genuine? Well, God can do it. God can do it. God can start with a weak faith and make it a strong faith. God can start with a, a look-alike faith and make it a real faith. God can, uh, can start with a desired faith, a wannabe faith, and He can make it a, a certified faith. Your faith is hardened, it's short, it's, it, 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 because the Bible says, look at, look at what it says, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, which is more precious than gold, and gold is tested by fire, and your faith is more precious than gold, he says, through, though it be tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor. See, that's the outcome of your life. The aroma from your life that arises to God is going to be praise, it's going to be glory, and it's going to be honor at the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. So here you are, trusting and waiting for the future. You are, you've put your faith in Jesus Christ. He rose again from the dead. He went to heaven. He said, I'm coming back. He says, if I go, I'm, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I'll prepare a place for you. I will come back and I will take you to be with me. So where I am, you can be always. And you remember those words and you keep your heart set on those words. And as you wait for Jesus to come, in the day that you come, if you have had the right perspective on your trials, on your difficult times, on life as you know it here, then your your faith has become more and more and more genuine. So when Jesus comes, he finds that you are, you have been filled with faith, you've been strong in your faith, and your faith is a statement of glory, of praise, and of honor when he shows up. See, your faith is currency. Your faith is the currency that buys you the mercy of God. You have to understand this. Faith is not religion. Religion is works that you do that is out of faith. You have to trust that God is listening, that God is wanting, that God is rewarding. You have to trust that there is a plan. If you don't know the plan, how can you trust? And if you don't know the person, how can you trust? Jesus Christ rose again from the dead to earn your trust. In fact, let me put it another way. If Jesus' resurrection from the dead doesn't earn your trust, nothing else will. If somebody can come back from the grave and you still can't trust him, then you don't have a faith. But you do have a faith and your faith is in one who has risen from the dead. Therefore, your faith is secure. Your hope is alive. Your life is guarded. Your problems aren't permanent. Your faith is genuine. And before you go, let me tell you one more thing that God's mercy grants us. God's mercy grants us unspeakable joy inexpressible joy unexplainable joy what is joy joy is heaven in your heart joy is heaven in your heart joy is not happiness happiness is tandoori chicken happiness is going on a on a vacation to goa or perhaps to bali happiness is having 
Loved ones come back. Happiness is lots of hugs and kisses. Happiness is on the outside and happiness comes and happiness goes. There are seasons for happiness, greater happiness, and there are also seasons for sadness. But joy is constant. Joy is in your heart. Joy is heaven in your heart. And this is bounded not in circumstances, not in promises, not in, in just how you feel or positive thinking. This is bounded in a relationship. It's a relationship with the God you don't yet see. So you combine hope with a great deep joy. How does that work? Let me explain. Verse 8. Verse 8. God gives us joy that is unspeakable and filled with heaven. Verse 8 says this. Though you have not seen him. Have you seen him? No, I haven't seen him. Yet I have a deep relationship with Jesus Christ. I've had a relationship with Christ for many, many years now. And ever since I was introduced to him in faith, it was a faith relationship. My faith brought on the mercy of God and the mercy of God granted me new birth of being born again. Being born again, I then became a child of God. And by becoming a child of God, I was now able to relate to God. Let's go back to verse 8. Though you have not seen him, you love him. How does that work? Take it one more step forward though you do not now see him okay go back to us a though you do not ha you have not seen him and though you do not now see him you believe in him and rejoice you see that you believe in him and rejoice so you you don't see him yet you love him you don't see him now yet you trust in him where does this come from it comes from joy on the inside Deep on the inside where Jesus puts heaven in your heart and gives you the assurance that he's coming back for you. Jesus puts heaven in your heart and gives you the assurance that he's coming back for you. He says, though I do not see him, I love him. And though I do not see him now, I believe in him and I have a joy. I rejoice with a joy that is, look at it, with a joy that is inexpressible, unspeakable inexpressible so there's two things about this joy number one it is inexpressible it cannot be explained even in the midst of trials in the midst of losses you have a deep heaven in your heart knowing this is not it this is not forever my problems are not permanent Christ is coming there is an exit life has meaning life will eventually make sense God has a plan for me with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory look at that and filled with glory what is glory glory is another word for heaven so you have a heart you have a relationship that's filled with heaven and the reason you can have that is because you are in a relationship with somebody who is in heaven so you live on earth you have trials and tribulations you're walking this earth you're walking this life and you're working working here on the ground level you're dealing with stuff on the ground level but you have a relationship with a god who's in heaven and your perspective is heaven down your joy is from heaven and, and and god has put heaven in your heart so you walk on earth with heaven in your heart until you walk in heaven you walk on earth with heaven in your heart until you walk on heaven. That is the benefit, the blessing, the joy of being born again. Being born again. So that is the story of how God takes a symbol of shame and makes it a symbol of hope. Let me close with this. I want you to think about this. And my friend, I, 
I can't tell you how burdened I am for you to know this, for you to understand this and for you to believe this. Because your life is at stake and your future is at stake and you are valuable, valuable beyond anything on the face of the earth and God loves you. Jesus says, you must be born again. Jesus says, you must be born again. Why? Because he says, That's with, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. A baby is born of a husband and wife, a man and a woman. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So if you want to be a child of God, a citizen of heaven, a, 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 a follower of Christ, if you want to be somebody who God has brought alive to the spiritual reality of his own presence and have a relationship with someone you don't see, yet you love him. You don't see him now, yet you believe in him. And you are filled with that joy because you're in a relationship with God. If you want, you need to be born again. Now again, I told you, it's not your, your decision. God decided that. God wants you. It's his decision that you should be born again. But this new birth is accepted by faith, by you. The spiritual birth is a gift that God gives everyone who calls on the mercy of God in the name of Jesus. Can I please say that again and slowly? The spiritual birth, you've been born physically, but your spiritual birth is a gift that God gives everyone who calls on God's mercy in the name of Jesus. Let me tell you where this comes from. John chapter 1 verse 12 says, But to all who believed him and accepted him, you do that again. But to all who believed him, Jesus, and accepted him, Jesus, he, Jesus, gave the right to become the children of God. To become the children of God. You become adopted into his family. You become a spiritual being. You become born again into another family. It's not rebirth. It's being born again into a, a spiritual family. It says in verse 13, they are reborn. Not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plans, but a birth that comes from God. God's desire is for this. God wants you in his family. God gave you to your family on earth, but God wants you in his family. And for that, you need to be born of the spirit because God is spirit. And when you're born of the spirit, you can have a relationship with God and you can have all the blessings that I've just listed of being born again. Many years ago, 2020 years ago, the Lord Jesus Christ came and he came for this express purpose to bring you back to God the Father. Because sin has separated you and every single human being from birth. And you and I know deep in our heart that we're broken. And the gospel, the good news is that Jesus came from heaven to earth and he rewrote, he rescripted the covenant that was broken with you. He tore that covenant up in his own body. And he went to the grave and he buried that covenant, that, that, that broken covenant between us and God, between humanity and God. And when he rose again with his blood, he rewrote a new covenant with you, with humanity. This rewriting of the new covenant spelled mercy and grace and joy. And God then offers life to you in Jesus' name because Jesus is the one 
who pulled that off. He's the one who made it happen. He came, he suffered the death that you should, you and I should have died. He suffered the, 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 the punishment that you and I should have suffered. Many times we feel, no, I just can't get away with it. No, you're not getting away with it. Jesus took it off you. He took it off you. He took the punishment off you. He took the curse off you. So this is what Jesus did for you. 2020, the year 2020 tells us that 2020 years ago, Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. Having died, he paid for all your sin. There is nothing left. There's no bills that are left pending. He paid for all your sin. My friend, you are free. You are free. You have to do nothing in order to pay for your sin. Jesus paid it all. That's how much he wants you back to the Father. That's how much he wants you to give you blessing and a hope and a future. Jesus offers salvation in his own name. See, the symbol of shame, the cross was a curse. See, everybody who hung on a cross was cursed. They were reviled, they were spat at, they were ridiculed because they had been shamed, they had been thrown out of the city and on the way out of the city, on the way to another city, out on the road in the middle of nowhere, they were hanging there on the cross. These were people who were rejected because they were sinners. It was a symbol of shame. But Jesus hung on that symbol of shame, the cross. And when he died and rose again, because he had paid for everyone's sin, there was no more shame. And now God takes that cross and he, he casts the shadow of that cross on top of you. And with that, you are healed. You are forgiven. You are, you are brought back to the Father. Upon the cross of glory, his death was life to me. For love must always have the victory. Upon the cross of glory, his death was life to me. For love must always have the victory. The cross takes the curse and the resurrected Jesus takes the curse. He breaks the curse. The cross takes the curse and the resurrected Jesus breaks the curse. Jesus takes your shame and Jesus gives you his name. Jesus takes your shame and Jesus gives you his name. Tell you something? That is why I am not ashamed to be called a disciple of Jesus. When I put my faith in Christ, He took my shame, He took my pain, and He gave me blessing after blessing. My hope is alive, my future is secured, I'm guarded, my problems aren't permanent. My faith is made genuine and I am filled with heaven in my heart with joy unspeakable. Born again. It's something God does but only if you want it. Only if you want it. From the pages of the prophets He stepped out into the in lowly majesty For he had been creator a creature
Love must always have the 